Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 set to take place on Sunday. Coverage starts 8 a.m. local time on NBC with the green flag expected at 9.45 a.m. So to help us get ourselves ready to go for Sunday's race, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline joined by Eric Smith with Race Review Online. Eric, appreciate the time on the program. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Before we get into the Indy 500 details itself, let's go back to the start of the IndyCar season. Teams like Penske, Chip Ganassi are always at the top. You have Arrow McLaren making a push this year. Andretti is still in the conversation as well. So of these teams, who has had the best start to the season and maybe some of the drivers for the teams that are certainly standing out? Yeah, good question. I, I think Billy Ganassi right now kind of stands out. Uh, they've had the speed. Uh, Alex Lowe's currently in the point standings. He just won the road course right here a few weeks ago. He's on the pole with 107th running the 8500 on Sunday. Um, he's had a top eight finish in every race, so it just feels like something's clicking with him. Uh, teammate Marcus Erickson won the season opener in St. Pete. He's third in points currently, so uh, you, you can ever count out a guy like Scott Dixon who's kind of floating under the radar and is just, but still is just right there. So I think Combined, they just feel like the top team. And oddly enough, it just almost feels like McLaren has passed Pinsky in far of, uh, like, Team Chevy, the supremacy there. Uh, Otto Ward, uh, easily is almost, almost as good as Alex Blow. He just hasn't won yet. He's got three runner-ups in five races. He was second place in the DMR Grand Prix here a couple weeks ago to Alex Blow. And he was second in this Indianapolis 500 last year. So I just kind of feel like Ganassi and McLaren seem to have a battle for the season. It seems like they have a battle right now for uh, the Indy 500 this weekend. You know, the word momentum is always a thing that's discussed in sports, and we can, you know, have the argument if momentum is real. But when it comes to racing here, is momentum a thing heading into the month of May around Indy? Since this track is at two and a half miles of oval racing, it's kind of different than anything else these drivers face throughout the start of the season. Yeah, another good question. That's actually one of the things I've been talking about with the drivers uh, this month is with the momentum is, is racing in a sport that you can carry momentum. It's not like a stick and ball sport where you might play one day and like baseball, you play every day, basketball, you play every few days, uh, racing here. It's once a week and, and how sometimes for any part, they had a long hole, uh, between the first and second race. So how do you stay sharp? Is momentum a thing? Do you lose it? And the drivers have said it very, it very is real. They feel it. Um, Alexander Rossi told me they feel like they're riding the high wave right now. Um, again, it's a McLaren driver. It, it's a real thing. They all feel it. Um, so one of the questions I asked as a follow-up to that was, if momentum is so big and racing is hard to get with how tight the competition is, is it harder to get momentum or is it harder to keep it? And it's kind of a mixed bag, but I said because it is so tough, the consensus kind of of the guys that are up front that it's almost harder to keep it just because anything can go wrong at any given time. But momentum is a very real thing in uh, the NCP IndyCar Series. Eric Smith, Race Review Online, as we're chatting about the Indianapolis 500 here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. All right, so let's fast forward now to the qualifying process that took place last week. What were the speeds that the top cars were racing at? What were the speeds that the bottom few teams were racing at? And how did those qualifying speeds compare to recent years? Yeah, it, it's very fast. This is the fastest uh, field in Indianapolis 500 history. 
fastest pole speed. Now, granted, it's a track record. Uh, 1996, Ari Leindyke, who is, uh, lives out there in Arizona near way. He is, uh, he still holds the track record at a little over 236 miles per hour. But that wasn't for the pole that year. That was the second-day qualifier. So the pole speed this year, Alex Below, 234.217, is the fastest pole winning average here ever in the 107-year history. It's the fastest front row ever. 234.180 uh, is the average speed for the front row. But if you take the whole 33 in general from top to the bottom, the average speed for all of them was 232.184 miles per hour. That is the fastest field in any 500 history. So there's not much separation between the top and the bottom. Uh, the top two qualifiers, closest ever, second tightest margin between the front row. So it's a fast field, fastest uh, race, fastest female qualifier. Uh, second fastest rookie, so it's a fast month here. Um, record setting, and I have a feeling we're in store for maybe another record setting day on Sunday. So now there was something unique as well here. Uh, 34 cars looking for 33 spots in this year's Indy 500. The team of Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan struggled to find that speed all week leading up to qualifying, and three of their four cars were vying for those last few spots. So walk us through just how the bump process works, and then when it came down to it, Graham Ray Hall being the one that got bumped from the field. Yeah, so it's, it's unique that with, with – used to be you think of Indian Bump Day, all these 40, 50 cars going for 33 spots. This year, there's, there's only 34, so one person is going to miss it, so no matter what. So going into Saturday, it's the top 30 qualifiers last Saturday locked themselves in, and the bottom four would have to turn around and re-qualify on Sunday to try to make the final three spots. So they called it the last row shootout, and the, uh, the Rayall guys, unfortunately, were just not very quick. They weren't quick all week. Uh, they were kind of worried going into it, and then after Saturday's uh, opening day of qualifying, Graham Rahal told me, and so did Jack Harvey, that they knew it's probably going to come down to, to one of them missing the show. They just were lacking in speed. Uh, ironically enough, they're, they're best friends and teammates, and they knew one of them was going to have to knock the other one out, and that's exactly what happened. You get into the, the show, uh, they all qualified one time through. Jack was the slowest of the four, so he had to find a way to gain more speed, and he made multiple runs, uh, and in the closing seconds, he knocked Graham out, and Graham just wasn't, never got a chance to counter, and he was on the outside looking in, and then you have uh, the practice crash on Monday afternoon and the unique situation uh, that now has put Graham back in the show, uh, and now he's racing Stephen Wilson's car, who was injured and uh, was taken to the hospital for precaution and had surgery on Wednesday. Successful surgery, I might add, but he can't race, and they needed another driver, and, and Graham was here on location still, and they're similar size to Stephen Wolfen, and uh, Graham is really good friends with that family. He drove for that team back in 2010. The only problem was that team is a Chevrolet team. Graham's been a longtime Honda driver, so they're the only two manufacturers in the series. So there's a little bit of a, a rivalry between those two, but they worked for the better men of the sport. They made a phone call. Honda lied. Uh, Graham said he'd do it. Uh, and so he's very much said this is set far, but uh, I'm going to race in honor of him for this weekend and, and hope to do something special. And, and I might add, in, in 1987, uh, Al Lunky Sr. didn't have a ride going in the month of May. And he just he was kind of getting up there in age and towards the end of his career. He didn't have a ride. Danny on guys got a practice crash out here um, and ended up having to go to a backup car. That backup car was in the hotel lobby in Pennsylvania. They called out Sr. to step in, and he ended up winning the race. That's his uh, fourth win. Nobody's won more than that. He's one of uh, four four-time winners, so... Not saying Grant Randall is going to do that, but that is the trend that could happen. And and ironically enough, 30 years to that date that he missed the show, 
his dad also was bumped from the field in 1993 in the 500. So there's a lot of number numerology working out here, but but Graham was bumped out and now Graham is back in, so he'll start last on the in a couple of days. Certainly, in all of that, that's great news to hear that Stefan Wilson uh, had successful surgery and hopefully he's on the mend here soon. Certainly, there's just a lot surrounding the Wilson family, and it's always great that Stefan wants to honor his brother by being able to participate in the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, for sure. It's just been a weird situation for that family and, and how deep love they have for IndyCar. And the fact that Stefan is still, uh, still wanting to do it, and he had a really good car. This is probably one of the better cars he's ever had out here. So it's a shame that he won't get a race on Sunday, but, um, but Graham will do the best he can in it. Eric Smith, Race Review Online, as we're having a conversation about the Indianapolis 500 right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Okay, so you already alluded to this here. Alex Pillow, he is the poll winner. He finished 10th last year. We've seen the last couple of poll leaders not get out and lead that first lap. It's a long race with a lot of strategy involved, but for Pillow and where he is at in his career, what does a poll do for him, and how is his car poised to be in the thick of it all race long? Yeah, it keeps with that momentum like we talked about. He's got that momentum. He he's he's used in twenty nineteen as a reference to Simon Pagano won the road course race. He won the pole and he won the eighty five hundred in the same year. So he's trying to go for that clean sweep. Uh, he's got the car to do it. He was fourth fastest in Monday's race practice. Uh carb day practice wrapped up a few minutes ago. He's fourth fastest again. He looks good, but only one time in the last thirteen years has the pole winner actually won this thing and it was that Simon Pagano reference I just made in twenty uh 2019. So he could do it. He's got a lot of momentum. It, it just feels right. But uh, Scott Dixon, he was on the pole the last two years uh, here too, and he didn't win either time. So it's, it's a long race, a lot to happen over the course of 500 miles. Below found out last year, he left 47 laps, was in the lead, and was getting ready to pit. And then a caution came out, he ran out of gas under that caution, so had to pit, do an emergency service, they call that. But that's a penalty. So he got put to the back. So the fact that he drove back to the top 10 last year still said something. Um, and I talked to him yesterday. Uh, he, he's a guy that's kind of like a student of the game. He analyzes a lot. And he mentioned in 2021 that he learned a lot from riding behind Elio and, and coming up the plus second to him that year and how much he learned. He, he learned how much a veteran can, can do out here and got a, kind of a front row seat to see it. And then for the road course race just a few weeks ago, he studied last year. He saw what the morning warm-up with the tires and made a change that worked to his advantage won. And then he won the pole because last year he finished second and on qualifying day to Scott Dixon and noticed some things that Dixon did to kind of advantage over Pelot to win it. So he used it against everybody this past weekend and won the pole. So I feel like so much of what he's learned, it just feels right that Pelot, uh, he's a favorite and he should be. He learned that right. Uh, you also mentioned Scott Dixon, his teammate. He only has one Indianapolis 500 win. He'll be starting six for as impressive and accomplished of his career that he's had in the Indy Series. He's certainly wanting to add another win to his resume. He's had some unfortunate luck the last couple of years. Uh, does he have the car this year? He does. He looks like he did last year, the year before. He's, he's got some speed. It's just can he get the luck? He almost just reminds me of Mario Andretti out here. Won a bunch of races outside of Indy, won a bunch of championships, but only has one Indy 500 crown, and that's where he sits. And his, his last and only Indy 500 win came back in 2008, and it seems like if things could go wrong for Scott, they've gone wrong. In 2020, he led 111 of 200 laps, finished second. Uh, Takuma Sato passed him in the end for the win. 
2021, early caution, similar flow last year. Just caught him out, emergency service, fell last down, never made it up. And then last year, he led 95 laps, was leading coming to the final pit stop, and unfortunately sped on pit road. So it just feels like if something's going to happen, it always happens with Scott Dixon around here. Um, so we'll see what happens on Sunday. He's got a good car. He was just second again in practice uh, a few minutes ago. He was second quickest on Monday. I looked uh, – if you go through all the practice sessions last week, he's been second fastest in every practice session minus one. So he's got speed. He just told me a little bit ago after practice that he's still kind of searching for a little bit more for Sunday. So he's still searching, but he's also Scott Dixon. I know the track record doesn't necessarily state that he's going to necessarily win with one win and all those tries, but uh, I still never count against him. Eric Smith, Race Review Online here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Points. So I'm going to go through some of these names with the Arrow McLaren team. Felix Rosenquist starting third, Pato Award starting fifth, Alexander Rossi starting seventh, and Tony Kanaan starting ninth, who is officially racing in his final Indianapolis 500. So what's been impressive about these drivers this month, their cars, the setup, and really kind of how the team has just accelerated to this ascent? Yeah, they, they look really good. Uh, they look good all season. They're the, they're the lead Chevy group. You could say all four of their cars made the fast nine uh, or the fast 12 shootout that we had last weekend. They all start in the top 10. They've all got a shot. So the one thing that made me a little leery was talking to some drivers around the garage. They said they'd noticed when it gets kind of hot and slick, the McLaren cars seem to struggle a little bit in traffic, which I thought was interesting because it's not necessarily going to be hot by any stretch of the imagination on Sunday, but it's going to be warm and slick. So I'll be curious what they can do. Um, in race practice, you don't really see them up necessarily high enough on the speed chart. But, again, that's one lap compared to 200 laps around this place. But they look good. I mean, Pato Ward was my pick coming into this month. He, he's ran 16 ovals over the course of his career. 12 of those uh, ovals he's finished in the top four. 11 top fours in his last 12 tries. He just finished runner-up at Texas, uh, which is a similar super speedway package uh, back in April. He was second in this race last year. He's got three top six finishes in his mini tries. So I like Pato Award. I just feel like starting fifth after Marcus Harrison started last year. I feel like they could get that figured out. Rossi feels good, too. I mean, top five last year, right? And he was top five uh, in the GP here a couple weeks ago. including the podium. That's his best finish uh, in his early career with McLaren now. Um, he knows his way around this place. He's always fast. He's starting up front. So I, I do feel good about him. Rosenquist was fourth last year. Uh, starting on the front row. He's got a good car. I just want to see kind of a little more out of him on the Super Speedway. He didn't start good, but can he finish? So that's the question got of him. And then Tony Kahn, what can you say about him? He, he knows everywhere around this track. He knows how to get it done. And the numerology for him works out because it's kind of some of that 93 race, right? So Grant Rahal got bumped out this year. Bobby Rahal got bumped out that year. The starting uh, on the pole since 1993 was the number 10 Chip Ganassi car. The pole here this year is the number 10 Chip Ganassi car. The two Scots in the field both times. And then the race winner in 1993 was a Brazilian driver named Emerson Fittipaldi. He started ninth. That was the second Indy 500 win. Tony Kanan starts ninth this Sunday, and he's going for a second Indy 500 win. So numerology kind of works out for him. He's got a good race car. We know he's there is no tomorrow for him here. He's retiring when this race is over. So if there's any moves, late race moves, that kind of seems – Kind of gutsy. Is it going to work? He's going to have to try it because he knows there is no tomorrow. So I do feel good about Tony Kanaan's chances as well.
Team Penske, they haven't had a winner of the Indy 500 since Roger Penske bought the track. So when you look at the qualifiers, though, uh, maybe you would expect a little bit different year from a Penske team with Will Power in 12th, Scott McLaughlin in 14th, and Joseph Newgarden in 17th. Uh, you know, what can we attribute to some of the struggles around Indianapolis 500 here of recent? I just think they have they- Every year they think they've got it figured out, and every year they show up and they're just still a little bit off. And and every year we talk to them, and especially Fast Friday, which is uh, last Friday, they have a Pinky Press conference, and they were talking about how happy they were with the changes and how they feel like this is the year. This is the year they've got it figured out. They worked really hard in the off season, and then they come out and qualifying, and they look no different than they did last year. So I I, I talked to Joseph Dugard about it. He just said that they they just it's a cruel mistress is what he calls this place. It's just hard for some reason, for them to figure it out. They don't know. They said they have to go back and look at it again. And just they don't know why they haven't figured it out. So I talked to the drivers, because how I mentioned at uh, the beginning of the show, that Penske or Ganassi and, and McLaren kind of have a rivalry with their running up front all season. But is there another rivalry inside the Chevy camp between McLaren and Penske? Because McLaren's kind of the new dog on the block. And they've already got this place figured out. They beat Penske. All four of their cars finished ahead of the three of Penske's last year. All four of their cars qualify in front of the Team Penske this, uh, group this year. So I'd be curious to see how that works on Sunday. It's a long race. Anything can happen. But I just don't get a good feel for the Penske guys that they're going to necessarily come through the field because the last two years they haven't shown that they could. You mentioned it's a long race, two-and-a-half-mile track, 500 miles total to get this victory, a war of attrition. So are there any other storylines that we should be paying attention to ahead of Sunday's uh, green flag? Yeah, uh, the, the Ray Hall with the dryer, uh, so that's a big one. Um, Pit Road, obviously, is a huge story. Uh, a lot of people don't think of this city as, as a storyline, but as I said, Dixon earlier, um, he spent last year some of his final pit stops. You're going to make seven, eight pit stops during the race. Uh, in last, out last, when, when you come out in traffic, do you enter in traffic? There's all those little things in the pit stops. If, if a seven-second pit stop takes you eight or nine and somebody else comes in and does it in seven, that was seven seconds running around you, you're going to now be behind them in that freight train. So pit stops are a huge storyline. Elio Castro Neves uh, hasn't had a great car this month. He said that uh, they're still searching for speed, but not all the time speed wins here. you got to get line it all up. got to get lucky. you got to have the right strategy. you got to stay out of trouble. Find the, the pit stops right. Uh, can he win number five? That's a big one because nobody's ever won five here. He's got four in, in 2021, so – can he get his fifth one on Sunday would be a big one. So that's, that's one I got my eye on. And, and then just seeing what the McLaren versus the Ganassi guys do. Uh, do they win or does somebody come in and steal it? So those are some other storylines I'll be watching on Sunday. Eric, greatly appreciate you helping us preview uh, the Indianapolis 500 and getting us ready for the uh, green flag on Sunday. Have a blast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a blast and appreciate the time. You're very welcome. Once again, he is Eric Smith with Race Review Online. Uh, the Indianapolis 500 is on Sunday. Coverage starts NBC 8 a.m. local time uh, with the green flag expected 9.45 a.m. But it's really cool to watch uh, all the pomp and circumstance before the drivers get in their cars and they start their engines for the 33 cars to head down turn number one. So I guess I just told you what I'll be doing Sunday morning at 8 a.m.